everyone here. We are ready for Sunday Night Live and we've got make the amazing Philippa. Sunday Night Local, it's not, but it's live as well, right? Yeah. I think we need to call it SNLL, Sunday Night Local Live. Does that make any sense? <laughs> but anyway, good evening, everyone. Welcome. We're going to have Philippo who's going to be sharing the word of God tonight. So everyone get your Bibles out, get your notebooks if you have them, and let's just get ready to receive from God. We're going to have an amazing night. So yeah, let's cheer for Philippa. <laughs> actually no cheering no cheering tonight just clapping so I'm very excited about having the opportunity to speak to you tonight and to people at home um, it's the second part in our series about building uh, the house and um, God is just so good isn't he so I'm so excited that I can speak about just about the goodness of God tonight um, and it is time to rebuild it's time to take back what the locusts have stolen and it's time to take heart for the future. So I'm excited because I was asked to speak about um, God building us tonight. His, we are his house, we are his church, as Pastor Andy said last week, every individual. And God wants to build us and he wants to rebuild us. So it's all about restoration really and God, the nature of God is to restore he wants to restore everyone to how we should be, our very best person. Our finances, our self-image, our relationships, everything. Relationships with, with one another, with parents to children, enemies to friends, strangers to become family. But God doesn't just want to patch us up like a block of flats, some of the flats in Portsmouth where they've had all the cladding put on the outside to make them look good. That isn't what God's about. He doesn't want us to cover up um, the mess that we're in underneath, just have um, a shiny, like out, unreal outside and pretend experience because he doesn't need to do that. He can actually make everything new. So Stu gave me the title tonight, Beauty for Ashes. And actually, I'm so glad that he's given me the opportunity to speak about that because it's actually my testimony that I think that God has transformed the ashes of my life to beauty. And um, so I'm glad that I can share that with you. So Beauty for Ashes is an exchange of something worthless for something amazing. And a little while ago in Kids Church, we were talking about swaps. And um, we were talking actually about the greatest swap, the swap that God did for us when he swapped our sin with Jesus' crucifixion. And what an amazing swap that was. But um, in my life, I've found out that God's swaps are often something worthless for something really, really um, precious. And that's what Beauty for Ashes is all about, really. So I'm going to start off by reading from the verse where Beauty for Ashes comes from in Isaiah 61, verses 2 to 3. Here we go. Oh. Well, isn't where it comes from, but never mind. I don't know what I've done there because I have written it down. Oh, it's yes, it is. I'm just looking all day. Sorry. Okay, got it. Isaiah 61, starting at verse two. So Isaiah was prophesying that Jesus was going to be sent. A savior was going to be sent to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to 
console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And all through there, you can just see the goodness of God, how he does these unfair swaps. He swaps something brilliant for something that is less so. And um, I wanted to start by looking at some characters from the Bible where we can really see how God rebuilt their lives and restored them to the place he had ordained for them. Recently, I've been reading, and I am still reading, I haven't got to the end of it yet, Job, because I'm just taking a chapter a day. And there you can see a man who lived his life so well, doing all that God expected of his people. Um, he loved God, he obeyed the laws given by God, and he loved others. He was generous, blameless, prosperous, and he had a lovely family. So I'm just going to read a verse before I take you to the next bit of his story from Job. It's Job 1, verse 8. And it's, um, God is talking to Satan at this point. And he's so proud of Job and the man that Job is, the godly man that he is. And he says, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? That is just how special Job was, that God would know him and think of him in that way. But... He was taken to a place of despair, of loneliness and lack, not even supported or encouraged by his friends. He got to a place where he just couldn't understand why God seemed to be deserting him and not hearing his desperate cry. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but I've heard recently some really sad stories of things that have been going on in people's lives, loss of people that they love, loss of jobs, all sorts of sad things. And I know that I've had moments where I've just wondered if God has abandoned me and whether he does hear my prayers. And I don't know if you've ever wondered too why there seems to be no answer to your heartfelt prayers. Well, this is the place that uh, the devil took Job to. But God knew that whatever Satan threw at him, he would never deny the existence of God in his life. However... There was a point where Job got so low that he actually did say some very, very strong things. Um, and if we could just look at Job 3, verses, verse 3 to start off with. He actually said, May the day perish on which I was born, and the night in which it was said a male child is conceived. And in verse 11, Why did I not die at birth? Why did I not perish when I came from the womb? He was just about as low as anybody could get. Job couldn't have been more desperate than this, but he still trusted in God as his redeemer. And actually, it says in Job 19, verse 25, if you find it in the Bible. For I know that my redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. So even at his most desperate, even at his lowest time, he still trusted in God as his redeemer. And the God that we know and serve today is still redemption itself. 
He wants to redeem us from our wrongdoing, redeem us from the mess that we get ourselves into, redeem us from depression, anxiety and despair. God did not create you for such things. He has a plan for you and for your life. You just need to step into it. He wants you to restore you to being the person you were made to be, blessed, forgiven, loved and whole. He can rebuild your life. He can and wants to redeem every situation you've got yourself into, every bad choice you've made, and restore hope, purpose and fulfilment. The only thing is that you have to choose to walk into all that he offers you. So let's go back to Job. I don't think we should just leave him there. It's the most desperate point. Um, where he was childless, he'd lost all his children. He felt hopeless and he was extremely unwell and covered in sores and at the worst that you could ever be really in life. But God reminded Job of his omnipotence, his unlimited great power. And he said to him, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? That is our God, God who created everything. How much more powerful than that could anybody be? And you know what? God's power has not changed over time. His, his power is still the same today. Right now, in this season, in this lockdown, as it was when he created the world, nothing is too difficult for him. Nothing we have done is too bad for him to forgive. No heart is too hard. No situation too tricky. He can and wants to redeem you, yeah. restore you, and rebuild your life. You just need to let him in, trust him, and walk in his ways. He's there for you. You need to acknowledge him, just like Job did in his desperate, depressive situation. And in Job 42, verse 2, he said... I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Trust him, believe it. God can do everything and anything. He purposes to do good in all our lives. So how did Job's story end? He wasn't done for. His life wasn't finished because God is a redeemer and a restorer. And at the end of Job 42, you can read, and the Lord restored Job's losses. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And in all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. Wow, I don't think I would really want 6,000 camels or 1,000 yoke of oxen. But the point is that Job, was not only was he restored to where he was, he was made even more prosperous. He had even more than he had at the start. He had children again. He even saw his grandchildren. That is God's redemption. And your story isn't over. Whatever has happened to you, whatever you feel like, 
However much hope you've lost, it's not over. God can restore what you have lost. Relationships, jobs, finances, families, dreams. Just give him a chance. He might not do it in the way you expect. In my experience, God never does things in the way that I'm expecting because he works in mysterious ways. But his heart is for you. He loves you. He has a plan for you. His mercy and grace can deal with your past, whatever it is. He is a God of unmerited, undeserved favour. He is for you, not against you. And before I go on to tell you my own personal story of God's redemption for my life, I'd like to look at another Bible character whose life looked as if it got about as low as it could go and then even got a bit lower. But again, his story is one of God's ability to rebuild and restore. This guy's brothers turned against him. They stripped him naked and threw him in a pit. He was sold as a slave and thrown into prison. Yes, Joseph. He started as his dad's favourite, the son of Rachel, whom his dad, Jacob, dearly loved. His life seemed full of privilege and promise. His dad gave him a beautiful coat to wear and favoured him over his brothers. God gave him dreams of a future where he would be exalted above his brothers and where they would bow down to him. It looked as if he had everything going for him. But, like Job, life took a downturn and he found himself without a family in a foreign land land, thrown into prison and in a place where it looked as if things couldn't get much worse. As I said, I have said before and I frequently say, but God, but God, God can turn our lives around. He can pick us up from the lowest places. He wants to show us his favour and blessing and open up new opportunities to give us beauty for ashes to swap circumstances which seem worthless for fresh starts, new opportunities, restoration and redemption. So let's take a a closer look at Joseph's story. First, from a place of being the favourite son, he was almost killed by his own brothers, stripped of his finery, probably his greatest possession, his status symbol, thrown into a pit to be left to die, and then sold by his own brothers to be taken to Egypt, an unfamiliar land with an unfamiliar language, where he would feel like a stranger, lost, unloved, and alone. That's pretty hopeless and depressing, isn't it? But life took an upturn, which it does. It has its downturns and its upturns. When he was bought by Potiphar, a captain of Pharaoh's guard, and God was with him and gave him success. I'm going to look at Genesis 39, verse 3, which is part of Joseph's story. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. But God. Everything looked great. He was made the overseer of Potiphar's house, and it flourished, because the blessing of the Lord was in all that he had. Who knows that we can go from a place where everything is going swimmingly, though, and looks great, then, through no fault of our own, as with Job and Joseph before him, something happens that causes everything to go peak tong, and life as we knew it gets thrown up in the air, and suddenly, or gradually, 
becomes a place of turmoil, grief and hopelessness. I'm sure that many of us, especially those who are a bit longer in the tooth like I am, can relate to this in our own lives. This is what happened to Joseph. As you probably know, Potiphar's wife tried to entice Joseph to sleep with her. And I always think of that famous line from the musical Joseph. I can't sing it. I did do a bit of singing this morning, actually, at a Zoom meeting. I don't want to do any more today. Um, and she says in it, come and lie with me, love. So, but Joseph, he was a godly man. And he refused, which made her so furious that she lied and turned what happened around, saying that Joseph had been trying to have an affair with her. So Potiphar's anger was aroused and he had Joseph thrown into jail. How must Joseph have been feeling? A foreigner whose good name had been smeared by lies, once more alone, unloved and imprisoned. He must have felt victimized, unfairly treated, and that he had done nothing to deserve what had happened. He must have wondered why God had allowed this to happen to him. Depressed, unable to see any future for himself and that life had little to offer him. It's easy when things get hard in our lives, when we seem to have lost all we hold dear, broken marriages, lost jobs, lack of finance, even just because of the lockdown restrictions, to start feeling deserted by God uncared for and to think that it's a hopeless situation and then anxiety and depression can get foot in the door and take grip of our lives. This is just the time when we need to cry out to our redemptive God. Let him in, seek his voice and step into his word, knowing that we can trust him and that he can turn things around in his way, in his timing. Beauty for ashes. Just as with Joseph, even while he was at his lowest, God was still with him. Even if you are at an all-time low, God is still with you. He can turn your situation around. He can do as he promises in his word and give you a hope and a future. Don't give up. He can pour favour into your life and raise you up again, just as he did Job and Joseph. He hasn't forgotten you, although the enemy would love you to believe that. He is for you, not against you, my friend. If you'll be open to his voice, live true to his word, he is longing to change your thought patterns, your situation, your difficulties and your struggles around. He loves you. He has the heart of a father, a good, generous and forgiving father towards you. You are not alone. Your story isn't over yet. So, just a quick summary of how Joseph's life was not only restored, but taken to even greater places. Because God gave Joseph a gift for interpreting dreams, which Joseph actually never took the credit for, but always said that it was God who gave him the interpretation. He was able to be released from prison, set up as Pharaoh's right-hand man, save Egypt from famine, have his own children and family, live in prosperity, and finally to save his own father and brothers, his whole family from starvation, and see relationship with them all restored. God truly gave back everything the locusts had stolen from him. Beauty for ashes. You might be thinking, well, but that was thousands of years ago, and we live in the 21st century now. God doesn't move in the same way today. Untrue. God is the same God. He never changes. He can do today what he's always been able to do. 
He still builds his people. He knows us each by name. He chose you. He adopted you. He wants you to get out of the driving seat and let him steer your car. To live obedient to his word, to repent of your wrongdoing and allow him to work one of his un amazing unequal swaps in your life. Amen. To exchange the ashes that we've allowed or created for his beauty, his plans, his opportunities and his will for you and for me. And now I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story. So I became a Christian just before my 14th birthday. I remember asking Jesus into my heart and wanting the new life that only he could give me. And since then I've never denied him as my saviour. But our journeys can be up and down, can't they? Or swerving all over the place. As we, our fleshly part of us, tries to keep in control of the road that we take. I lived my teen years sitting on a fence part in the world, part in church, part in, in following Christ, but it was very uncomfortable. Just dipping my feet and ankles into the water without throwing my whole self in. And there was an area of my life that I didn't let go of. I covered it up, put cladding over it, and made myself look good on the outside, but never allowed God to enter in and deal with it. I even convinced myself that I'd relinquished it to the Lord. But the reality was that it was like leaving the roots of a dandelion in the flower bed. I don't know if you've ever done that. We have a lot of dandelions in our garden. If you leave the roots, they come back and they spread everywhere. So, after many boyfriends and relationships in a relatively short period of time, very short really, mid-teens to early twenties, I got married quite young and had a wonderful family a good husband and four amazing children. Life looked good. We were all in church, we had careers, financial security, our own home. What more could I have wanted? But I've never dealt with the little root of sin and temptation came my way. At a point when my marriage seemed at a low ebb and teenage children had started heading my way. I chose to walk off God's path and allow the devastation into my beautiful family that sin can cause. I had an affair. I turned my life into ashes. And not only my own family, but another family was thrown into turmoil by my stupid choices. Who knows though that the devil is clever? He's convincing. His lies can blind you to the realities of what you're doing. He whispers words in your ear that seem to justify walking away from God's word and the narrow path. He makes the world look exciting and enticing, but actually it's not. The way may look attractive, but it's ugly and harmful. Satan comes to kill, steal and destroy. I allowed him to do that in my life, in another marriage and in the lives of the children involved. I caused other people to doubt God and walk away from God. My life became ashes and I reaped what I had sown over many years that followed. On the outside I might have looked okay, I could function and life went on but I knew that under the surface I had become ugly, dark and black. The locusts were eating away at all that was true, good and pure and they were having a field day. 
I found myself in the bottom of a pit. Not a physical pit like Joseph, but a pit that I'd created myself. But God. I still believed, I still knew that our God, yours and mine, could do something. It was a long journey, during which time my family became a part of this church, a family church, and I was surrounded by great people, and most importantly, great teaching about how to live as a Christian. Every week I heard a life-changing message. Every week I chose to connect with God's way, I changed a little. Every time I laid down my life in service, something in me budged and God began to do his thing. It wasn't instant and my story is still ongoing, but God started to turn things around as I was obedient to him. This came from real repentance, laying down what I'd done before and turning around, choosing to go a different way, and from God's forgiveness. God forgives in an instant. I guess you know that, but sometimes it's harder. It takes time to forgive ourselves. So life has still had plenty of twists and turns since then, highs and lows. There have been times of huge loss, terrible illnesses, a divorce. Following God doesn't stop life happening. But through it all, God has been rebuilding, restoring and redeeming, treating me gently and with patience providing all I need and more. And I now pray regularly for wisdom. I know that's what I need more than anything, God's wisdom. He's grown me. He's restored more than I could have imagined. He's given me back all that the locusts have stolen. He's redeemed things and relationships that I thought were irredeemable. Um, yeah, actually, just I'm actually throw something in that's not in my notes, but to just yesterday, I had an amazing thing happen. Um, my ex-husband, Mark, he got in touch last night to say that his girlfriend was really ill and had been taken to hospital. And um, he wanted me to pray for him. Well, many years ago, before our marriage broke down, Mark said that he was done with God. He'd had enough with God. And here he was last night asking me to pray. And this morning when I got up, I came down to a message which said, God listened to the prayers and I was able to say to him, yeah, God doesn't just listen, he answers them. And I can't remember the exact message that he sent me, but I told him that I was speaking tonight and invited him to listen on the, um, online. And, um, and he said that he actually believed that God was giving me the words to say. It was, so it's incredible what God can do. He can restore things that just seemed impossible for him to be able to store at one time. Yeah. So, where am I? I lost my point. So, Romans 8, 28, verse that we really stand on. Richard and I, um, Stu used this verse when he preached at our wedding. And it's our firm favourite. I'm just going to read it to you. Romans 8:28. Many of you probably know it by heart. And we know that in all that, that and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And now I have the most incredible marriage. Not only my own beautiful four children but four lovely stepchildren, three grandchildren, 
and another on the way. A lovely home, incredible friends and pastors, and God's provision, beauty from ashes. Our God restores, he brings hope. He turns situations around and makes something beautiful. He created our world from nothing. Why couldn't he and wouldn't he do something beautiful in your life, friend? He took me from being in a place where I had lost the respect of all and restored it just because of his favour for no other reason. He brought Job, Joseph and myself and so many others from the lowest places, like the prodigal son in the parable, eating with the pigs to a banqueting table, giving us the finest robes to wear and giving undeserved, unmerited favour. He can rebuild and restore what you've lost, if you'll let him. It isn't too late. You can invite him into those places in your life that are at their lowest ebb. Jesus wants to help you to turn things around. He wants to walk with you through the valleys, whether caused by your own hand or just what life has thrown at you. He wants to exchange your mess, your heartache, your depression, your anxiety for his peace, his joy, his strength and his courage. There's so much more to my redemption story that I could tell you, like amazing things, Um, amazing blessing, totally undeserved and I'll be happy to tell you about it if you just ask me at any time. Haven't got time for it all now, there's so much good stuff. But it has to start from you turning your heart back to him our all-powerful, faithful and trustworthy Heavenly Father to give him permission to come into your darkest places, to acknowledge that you need him to get you through, to walk according to his word. And if you were listening to Pastor Andy's this message, uh, message this morning, he said, submit to the leading of the Spirit, the word he gave us and his ways. Go all in. And that is my advice to you. Go all in for it. Just connect with God. Connect with his word. Let his spirit lead you. And then you can say along with me, but God, my God, turned life around. He exchanged beauty for ashes and heartache for joy. He restored what I had lost, redeemed every situation, and built my life into something beautiful. Then you can go out and proudly give him the credit for all he has done and live your life in service to him. You are beautiful in God's sight. He believes it and you need to believe it too. But I just thought as I'm finishing that there might be people watching or people in the room that haven't actually yet got that relationship with Jesus, which is the starting point to allow God to turn something which is ashes into something beautiful. So I thought, with Pastor Andy's permission, that I'd like to um, just pray a prayer that you could pray along with me if you know that you are at a low point and you just need Jesus to come into your life and turn your life around. So if you would like to pray along with me as I pray, that would be really cool. Father God, I thank you that you are a God of love. I thank you that you want to take me from a place of despair to a place of joy and freedom. Lord God, I acknowledge the things that I've done wrong in my life. 
Lord, and I ask for your forgiveness. I thank you that you gave your son Jesus to die on a cross for all the wrong stuff that I have done so that I can be friends with you. Lord, I want to serve you and follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you, thank you for saving me. Amen. And I know that if you've just prayed that prayer for the first time, you just need to find somebody to connect with who can tell you a bit more about um, how you can follow God and how to find out more about his ways. And um, I just know that your life is going to have something really beautiful happen in it right now. Thank you, Philippa. Thank you very, very much. Um, wasn't that powerful? Yeah. Hearing Philippa's personal story of, of redemption. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've walked through some of that stuff with her and, and seen her and Richard get married and, um, and the wonderful things that God has done. And, um, you know, I just keep thinking, well, there's, there's nothing that God can't redeem, isn't there? But there's nothing that, that is so broken that God can't come in and, uh, and repair things. And I think it's really important to remember that about every area of our lives. Uh, we have to be, obviously, we have to be willing to, to lay it down and ask God to get involved. Um, and, you know, in relationships, it, it always takes two. Both have to want their relationship to work. And if, if they don't, then... It's very difficult for God to get involved uh, with that. But the, the thing is, um, in our lives, personally, uh, we're not responsible for everyone else, are we? We're just responsible for us. And I think it's really important to remember that um, we don't have to worry about what everyone else is doing and what decisions they're making. What we have to do is think about our decisions and make sure that we're walking as closely with the Lord as we possibly can be. So, you know, I just want to encourage you, um, be, be someone that, that gives it all to God. Be, be someone that is willing to, to lay it all down um, for Jesus. And those that are watching tonight, just, um, you know, just take time to think about what's been said tonight. The series that we're doing is called Building the House. And uh, everything that Philip has said tonight, if, if we hear it, and if we apply it to our lives, then it will cause the house of our lives to become stronger. And that's the whole point of what we're doing over these next eight weeks, is that we want everyone that's watching and listening and, and here in person or, or watching live um, or whatever, uh, to, to, to hear stuff that will cause you to be able to build your life uh, and, and allow God to build your life. Um, but it also relates to the church. You know, we're in a difficult time. The church, nationally, globally, is in a difficult time. And, uh, you know, th there's much ashes around at the moment. There's much struggle. There's much uh, challenge, isn't there, at the moment. And in the house of God, collectively, God's people together, there's going to be incredible beauty ahead of us. I know, know that because there's incredible challenge at the moment. And that's the way that God works. So let's believe for that. Let's pray for that. Let's pray for God's people. Let's pray for one another. And thank you, Philippa, for sharing those powerful words tonight. So, 
Yeah, so thank you for watching online, live or recording. We're going to say goodbye to you now. Bye.